0: You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and
1: Bryant.
2: Who me? Well,
1: <laughs> so I'd like to really know if I was married business. to a horrid piece <laughs> of
3: shit. <laughs> 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 you could just look at her license. <laughs>
4: my
5: special stripe. It was
4: uh, amazing. Uh, oh that. my gosh!
5: <laughs> Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions.
0: Or at the website, which is Minnesota Personal Injury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant, Michael Bryant,
2: thank you. Seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Brought to you by Bradshaw ja and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Ruben Paul in studio. Comedian Ruben Paul talking how great Minnesota is and some good stuff about tasty, tasty food next.
3: The show this is the Tom Bernard show Tom will be back on Monday filling in I'm Dave Schrader joining me in studio Ruben Paul From the House of Comedy, you've got shows there, what, tonight at 7.30 and 9.30? Yes. Tomorrow night, 7 and 9. Yes. And you're hanging in for the trifecta, Sunday, 7 o'clock.
6: Yes, and I got here on Valentine's Day and did a sold-out show on Valentine's Day, so it's been a good week so far. Nice. Yeah.
3: Was it a lot of couples or a lot of just broken hearts?
6: Uh, A lot of couples, uh, groups of bitter people there also, I could tell by the scowls of their faces. That needed a laugh. That needed a laugh, yeah. Some people try to call it um, Single Awareness Day. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, I made everybody aware that they were single that night. <laughs> nice.
3: Single Awareness Day. We yeah. are becoming an overly politically correct country, I aren't know. we? I know.
6: Just say people who ain't yeah. got nobody.
3: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> be All the lonely souls. <laughs> All
6: the lonely souls out there. <laughs> hey, some people are together and they're lonely when they're together. So, hey, who's to judge?
3: That's true. Now, yeah, you, where true. did you just come in from?
6: Los Angeles. <clears> oh. <throat> Excuse me. Born and raised. How yeah. do you
3: enjoy our balmy weather here in you Minneapolis?
6: Know, I got to be honest, and I'm not saying this to suck up. I love Minnesota. I love coming here. I love the audiences. Um, the, you know, the people are great, and I pretty much stay in the mall, so <laughs> I don't usually get to yeah. see much of Minnesota. <laughs> so you just get to avoid all of the cold, the t- huh? I'm just like, You've hey, never great mall. The Twenty below. No, I mean, I've I've been out in it, but it's for something very specific. <laughs> Other than that, I'm yeah. in that hotel room. You know, the first time yeah. I came here, I did the whole. Go downtown, go see Prince's place, you know, went to a game. I'm good.
3: So you went to <laughs> you, you went to Paisley Park?
6: <laughs> yeah.
3: Did you do the big tour now? No, Simpsons I didn't passing, do the nah,
6: no, we just you know drove by, hey, that's where Prince lives. Hey, all right, great, saw it. So
3: very uh assuming from outside, right? It looks like a warehouse district.
6: Yeah, yeah.
3: It is yeah. beautiful inside. Have you have you had a chance to go in there, Catherine?
4: You know what? I have never been in there. I can't believe. I mean, I used to even live out that way, and for some reason, no, I haven't I've never either. been. It's so funny because it's like people that are from Minnesota. They're like, "Isn't the, is, is it is it a giant purple palace?" I think it's probably a giant purple palace. It's like it's right outside the metropolitan area. You can just go take a drive by. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a purple palace.
6: Well, it's like when you live someplace, the last thing you want to do is the touristy things where right. you live. Yeah, that's it's true. It's like when people come to LA. You know, they want to do the the basics. They want to go to um, Hollywood Boulevard to see the stars on the Walk of Fame, or they want to go yeah. to Disneyland, or you got to take people to La Venice Brea Beach, the La Brea Tar Pit, yeah, <laughs> Venice Beach to see all the weirdos, and you know, yeah. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles is the you know you got to take. <laughs> That's them the there. big hotspot. Uh, uh, hey, when you come to L.A., <clears> you, <throat> yeah. you got to Roscoe to change your life. You're like, man, I never <laughs> thought chicken and waffles could taste so good. And who came up with this combination?
3: See, when I used to visit Los Angeles, they always used to take me down to the IHOP. What is that, down on Sunset and Vine, around in that area?
6: With all the prostitutes hanging out? Yes.
3: And that was like was the hotspot. You your see,
6: request? No, no. Seriously, like, all my
3: buddies are like, you want to go see celebrities? And I'm like, this is the dodgiest place I've ever seen. And they're like, just wait. We're in an IHOP. Movie stars, TV stars. Well, because that used to be the late the
6: that used to be the late night place oh. where everyone would go. Oh. Like we'd we'd finish performing, and it's like uh, let's go to the IHOP, and then that's where you'd see everybody coming in there. Yeah. But Roscoe's is another. I don't know, maybe it's a black thing, but I think everybody goes to Roscoe's now that I think about it. It's just a popular. It's a it's a chain, but um, I know when a lot of the basketball players and the rappers and all you know they come like, yo, we got to go to Roscoe's, and then. We're in Roscoe's and it's, it's delicious. So that was my public Chicken service announcement. I, yeah,
3: higher That's class a than one wha- thing. Yeah, I was gonna say is that higher class in, like the Waffle House.
6: Oh, way higher class <laughs> in the Waffle House. <laughs> yeah, I mean you see you see Jay Z and Beyonce at at Ro- is this is this a place that you go when you come to L A. You got to try it. It's one of those like um, people tell me about the Lucy's. Here in Minnesota, oh, juicy
3: Lucy, juicy Lucy. Right. Like the, that's uh, what is it? The Five Ten Club, Catherine? Is that where they have those?
6: Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's kind of Thanks. Roscoe's 5-8. is kind of equivalent. Club. Yeah, it's, it's kind of equivalent to that. If you come to Minnesota, you have to have a juicy Lucy. If you come to LA, you got to go to Roscoe's
5: Chicken and Waffles. Well, I had the opportunity. You know Where else they have them? Where's that comedy? Uh, really? The chicken and waffles at house? Of no,
4: California?
5: the juicy Lucy.
4: Oh, yes. Really? What makes it? Wait, it's just a hamburger, right? Yeah,
5: but it's, it's a hamburger. Like but there's, bl- yeah, blue cheese in injected into the middle. Oh,
4: Ugh. it blue sounds cheese. like
5: a little much, but it's actually really good. I is like it, good? it.
4: Heart healthy. Now, look
5: at him over there nodding. It's good.
6: It's oh good. wow, I didn't. I had no idea.
3: Yeah. See now you got to try the yep. juicy Lucy at the well, house of. There's three uh, places
6: to go. Matt's Bar here in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. the Nook in St. Paul, and then you got the Five a Club. Those three. Wow, you're serious about it. You yeah. <laughs> no, no. got intense about it. There's no. only three places you go to.
3: Yep. <laughs> Have you ever gone to the Lion's Den for the burgers? No. Over in Bloomington, I think it is. I got That was one of the places when I first moved here 20, 30 years ago. Everybody's like, you got to go eat the hamburgers at the Lion's Den. And I go in there, and this line was, during lunch, out the door and wrapped wow. around the building. And I'm like, what is going on? And it took mm-hmm. forever. We were in line for an hour. You get your burger, you walk out, and it's just this floppy-looking, ugly thing amazing
6: wow there's yeah. like
3: black magic melted right into the burger because there's no way that ugly thing could taste that good and it was amazing wow
6: it's you know it's interesting I, go ahead um, go ahead i'm sorry
4: i i just to me i just think burgers are pretty much all the same to me <laughs> am i like just Uh-oh. crazy yeah, i pretty much i'm sorry they just i mean there's 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 yucky dried out horrible burgers right. obviously yes. but if it's a good burger it just a good burger tastes like a good burger. Well,
6: me. some people I think are, are burger connoisseurs like wine connoisseurs. Like yeah, they know their be, burgers. Yeah. I'm not into burgers like that. <laughs> but are, uh, are you more of a wiener me guy? No, I'm not a wiener guy at all. (laughs) They
3: have a place called the Wienery in Minneapolis. You won't
6: catch me at the Wienery. (laughs) Are you sure? Uh,
3: They've got these. They've got like a plethora. I haven't yet to get there, but everybody keeps telling me because I'm a big hot dog fan. They said the Wienery is the place to be. So this conversation
6: just took a left turn. Oh, really? Yeah. This is the line. Hey, do you like wieners? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting (laughs) lead-in. Yeah. What's the?
4: There's a famous one in L.A. too. Uh, Uh, Pink Wiener.
6: Yeah, Yeah, Pink. You
1: really do like your wieners.
6: Like them, yeah. And what
3: is it? The gray papaya in New York,
6: right? I have no
4: idea. That
6: one, and uh, they also got, uh, what is it, out on uh, Coney Island. I can tell you the, oh, Bayons, the best wieners Bayons. in any state. I uh-huh. can tell you where they are. I have. I'll tell you a place that has good wieners. If you say right
4: here, I'm going to slap you.
3: I even dragged. I, drag, I was
6: going to say that, but I, I held off on that one. Thank you.
3: I even dragged Catherine and Tom to the opening of Portillo's here in Minnesota, which is a big Chicago you you just can't
6: change the subject. Why we got to stick I? on the wieners. Yeah. That just came out of nowhere. We're <laughs> talking burgers. Do you like any wieners? <laughs> I've referred now to it
3: as hot dogs, Ruben. I think.
6: Yeah. you're... Yeah, let's go on hot dogs. Paint me in a corner. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Are you a hot dog guy? No, well, but I like wieners.
3: Paisley Park. Uh, <laughs> after he passed away, I got an invitation to go through with a media line to go check out Paisley Park. Okay. And if you haven't seen it, it is. It's really worth. It's one of those kind of like. Why would I go see? What I care but it's really amazing yeah and the way they've set it up is so cool because it's totally interactive it gives you a chance to kind of see how he developed and then they take you into this big sound recording studio and they're like you know this wasn't just Prince mm. and then they start knocking out album after album that's been produced there and you're standing right where all of these major musicians have come together and the, the lineup so it's was a museum insane. Now. yeah Wow. Yeah, and, okay. and he, you know, I often wonder if he knew he was coming to the end because he, he was transitioning this place into a museum. Oh, and for okay. somebody so private and quiet, it's pretty interesting that he already had this thing developing into a museum. Yeah. But it's a really, and then they walk you in and <coughs> when they bring you into the main room, they're telling you the story. And then right above this one door, there's a miniaturized version of Paisley Park. And then oh, wow. they said Prince is right here. And that's where, that's his urn. It's in the shape of Paisley Park. So they have his remains right over the door.
6: Is that kind of like uh, when they go to um, Graceland? Yeah. Is it the same type of... Oh, okay.
3: Except for, you know, Elvis isn't buried there. Yeah. Right. He's... You know, well, I mean, he's still sling, alive, right? Yeah, he's slinging slinging waffles and chicken, <laughs> yeah.
6: or eating Lucy's Maybe and looking for was... wieners. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Maybe Prince was uh, turning it into a museum because um, now, with the wonderful equipment that's available to almost everybody who's got a really nice computer, you can have a recording studio anywhere. You sure can. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, know, you don't you true. don't have to go and pay a ton of money to go to a recording studio.
5: Yeah, right now we're in what what is this? Just like a den yeah, kind of a room. Den. Yeah, it's like a. 15 by 15 den room that we put half of our sound paneling is just a what do you call them a mattress mattress pad <laughs> yeah the mattress truth pads is out.
3: and what are the chains on the wall for andy
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Because mattress pads it co- they're That's... made of the same basic material and you know it costs yeah, it's foam way less because it's yeah. not marketed toward a lot of audio it's equipment hideous, but costs works. more than it should because it's audio equipment right Unfortunately, but you know. Other than that, uh, the total cost of this whole setup was probably maybe four or five hundred dollars. Yeah, and that's mostly tape. Not bad. <laughs> mostly We
4: I'm sorry, we use push pins. Thank you. I'm oh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> That explains the sparks coming from the wires in front of me.
4: That's a I'm very not a, fancy I'm, setup.
6: But when I think about it, I, I don't. I'm not a tour person. I don't like going on tours and no? things. Uh, well.
3: Oh, no, well, see contradiction.
6: No, I, well, I, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but now I have to kind. of, So I took the weirdest tour. A very good friend of mine, pretty wealthy guy, got married in I think it was Newport, Rhode Island. Okay, and um, mm-hmm. he, we went on a mansion tour, um, A.K.A. plantation tour. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't tell in me it was Rhode a, Island. Yeah, they, they didn't tell me it was a, pl- a plantation tour and, until the tour started. And mm. like we kept th- these are the slave quarters, I'm like slave quarters. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <So> you you <laughs> are aware
3: that was part of our distant history, right?
6: Yeah, but I didn't need to go see it. I <laughs> no, I
4: didn't. I didn't think that was up in Rhode Island uh, for some reason. Well, sure, it was why.
3: all over. I mean, a lot
5: of the the I presidents guess. and, and mm-hmm. the residents that originally settled.
3: Exactly, they traded slaves stuff. and dealt with slaves, yeah,
5: right? Yeah, yeah. Not, not nearly as much up north, but you know, yeah. If you wanted yeah. to find it, you could find it. Yeah, Some, you know, beautiful property. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: There, when I know when I went to visit my my grandparents in the uh, '80s in Faraday, Louisiana. Oh wow. And they've got the old houses and, and everything like that. And it just, it's a totally different culture. Yeah. Right? And then they have the house, and then they've got the little house up back. And I go, oh, what was the little house for? He goes, Oh, that was the slave quarters. And I'm like, oh, Okay, time could, to go. Yeah, maybe we should call that something else <laughs> other than the slave quarters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. in the 80s, I, you know, this was like 87.
6: <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm sorry. They, maybe we should call it something else now.
3: <laughs> 87, there was still... And I don't know, I haven't been back out there that way, but my uh, step-grandmother let me separate it with by saying uh, okay. that. She introduces me, and she she brings me over. She goes, oh, this is our grandson Dave, and this is my N neighbor Bob and his N neighbor uh, wife Mary. Oh, my god! And she's the N hairdresser in town. He's the N butcher. And my jaw hit the floor. My eyes were huge, and I just stood there like, oh, we're all going to die now. What are you doing? And she walked away, and the guy leans over and pats me on the shoulder, and he goes, That's old folks for you. He goes, that's the way they talk down here. And he goes, but I got to tell you, she's telling the truth. I'm the end butcher in town. I'm the only one that they go to. And she's the end hairdresser. And I was like, this is a world I'm not prepared for. And that was in the, because again, here in what I grew up in, very white suburbia of Illinois, Chicago, uh, Chicagoland area. That was like major culture shock.
6: I, I could imagine. I was
3: like, didn't this stop in the 50s and 60s? What's going
6: on? Unfortunately, not. But I'm I,
4: telling you. It, I, I in admire some the fact that you've never went back. back.
6: Yeah, yeah. No.
3: <laughs> You're like,
6: that, that's my first and last trip. They're
3: like, it's the birthplace of Jerry Lee Lewis and slavery, apparently. This yeah. is not a good place to be.
6: No, man. no. No, not at all. Lots of changes. So uh, let's talk about wieners. Yeah. How about them wieners? <laughs> 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 I love radio. It's like the conversation just takes a, yeah, a whatever, wrong turn Judd, Like, uh good. yeah, uh, how do we get on plantations and slavery? And that was yeah, you. How,
3: how that was happen? Mr. I don't like weird tours. By the way, I went on a weird tour yeah, once.
6: It was weird because yeah, they kinda you sprung it on it. me. I did start it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, come on, you guys gotta understand like and I'm the only brother like on the tour. And then they're getting, you know, they're pointing to these quarters, man, like yeah, these yeah. cramped spaces <laughs> and I'm looking at my friend going, Really? This is where you're taking me? He's like, dude, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, we just saw the, it would, in a brochure. I have, <laughs> yeah,
4: I would not think that of Rhode Island. I don't know why. <laughs> well, let
6: me let me make sure that's where you... I'm looking, trying to look it up now. I don't want to disparage Rhode Island. I again? Yeah, thank you. This is years back, but uh, you know, the safe governor safe. of
3: Rhode Island is on the phone now. All right, <laughs> that wasn't our yeah. plantation. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
3: how how many weeks of the year are you on the road?
6: um i've kind of uh cut back a little bit based on um well t- the short answer is probably i go out maybe twice a month
3: but oh, twice a month
6: yeah that's
4: but, still a lot
6: yeah um but i, I pick and choose uh I, I produce and host a show in los angeles at the uh, laugh factory called ruby tuesdays oh, okay and the concept of the show is diversity so um coming up um as a comedian I was one of the few that used to work all the rooms like because people don't realize comedy is very segregated whether Mm -hmm. it's uh, black night latino night gay night alternative night white night even though they don't call it white night it is um <laughs> <laughs> i'm just keeping <laughs> i'm just keeping it real and well that's uh,
4: hilarious it, it's segregated and we have it all segregated for it, you
6: exactly <laughs> nice. we gotta no, take a, a quick break
7: <laughs> hang on tight we got Ruben paul in we studio finish that story <laughs> on the tom bernard show <laughs> best of the tom bernard podcast
4: Back on his feet, now he's chopping up meat Come inside, maybe you'll hear him say Try the Try or the Kaiser, they're on special tonight If you want, you can have an appetizer
2: comedian Ruben Paul on the best of Coming up next, we had comedian Chris Porter in Talking Winter Olympics Everyone's favorite Olympics that's going on right now next on the best
4: of he heard it's good he
7: makes a pretty mean welcome
3: back second hour of the Tom Bernard show I'm Dave schrader filling in for Tom Bernard joining us in studio moments jb chris porter who will be out at the acme comedy club chris welcome to the show thanks a lot for joining oh, in. For
1: having me yeah it's going good to, right
4: into it
3: yeah why not we'll have you jump right in I, I do want to mention real quick and Catherine, uh andy mike i'm curious has anybody been watching the olympics at all no
4: i've been watching no, some of it i keep yeah. on missing all the stuff that i really want to see though <laughs> it's a 15 hour
3: time difference yeah that's yeah, a bit of a lag time two
4: in the morning or something yeah, yeah.
3: I, this story Matt, blows me away. I don't how how big a badass you think you've ever been in your life. This have you guys heard about this Olympic snowboarder?
8: Oh I, yeah, one? I did. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, Hi,
3: Jamie. I love the from Newser, This is the way the article starts off. Pick the wilder of the two following sentences: Marcus Scherrer broke his neck during a quarterfinal race in snowboard snowboard cross at the Winter oh. Olympics, or that the Austrian then stood up and finished the race. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a man a right there.
3: Broken
4: neck. Yes. USA Today reports idea.
3: the accident occurred during the final jump of the course, with Sherer landing gruesomely on his upper back with such force that his goggles came off. You can see the video. He, these other guys come swooshing down the mountain, and all of a sudden you just see it's like Fred Flintstone flying upside down <laughs> in the air, and then he hits the ground right on his shoulders and neck. His goggles go flying, but he gets right back up and, and completes. I get a paper now, cut. i got to take a nap for a half an hour.
4: <laughs> is this is this the event where they're all snowboarding at the same time? I get yeah. confused with what events are called what. Sometimes. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm not like, real sure. I don't sure. know
4: what, the, what I'm watching.
3: Well, there was a bunch of them all going down at the same time. It says the Austrian Olympic okay. Committee says it believes the 30-year-old who fractured his fifth cervical vertebra <sighs> will not experience oh. serious long-term damage, though he'll be taken back to Austria <laughs> hastily. The Washington Post notes that Scherer has injured injured his elbow in a previous run and had been in fourth place before the crash.
4: Well, remember that little gymnast that broke her ankle or something? Oh, yeah. Carrie she struck The vault. Yes. She landed
5: on it. She she did her landing and uh yeah. broke her ankle when that happened. And then did, did it again. just
4: so I think they're so filled with adrenaline right. yep. that they don't feel the pain as much as a normal person. Yeah, because it wasn't <laughs> even, even just the ankle. That she,
5: it wasn't even that she an ankle just ankle and an elbow. Is one right. thing. Two different but things. I'm breaking the your neck. The worst thing you can do after breaking your neck is move your head around.
4: Yeah. And he just I
5: got I mean, got he's, fifth cervical vertebrae, he's lucky he's not a quadriplegic now. Yeah. After fracturing that
1: vertebrae and then moving around a lot. Man. It'd be even cooler if he was a quadriplegic and he still finished the race. <laughs> <laughs> Diversity in the Olympics. I mean that, that that somehow something to like that's something to hang your hat on. That is, yeah. I finished the race. I didn't medal, but I also couldn't feel my legs. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you
3: do today? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. This guy set a new precedent. Yeah. That is, uh, that's amazing. Wow. That's I, the Olympics. Watching these yeah. people like you were bringing up Carrie Strug. She broke her ankle on the first one, then came back. And did another yeah. one and landed it perfectly, yeah. Mm. And then one that and then was medal. awesome, yeah. That is. I straight.
1: remember watching that as a kid and going, "No way, yeah, no way." And then for like two weeks afterwards, everyone thought about becoming a gymnast. Yeah, not me, not me. <laughs> two weeks. That's what it was like as a kid. Right? Yeah. You, you'd like, oh, I don't even know what a gymnast is. And then two weeks after the Olympics, you were looking up the Parks and Rec. <laughs> Catalog and being like, all right, where's the pole vault class?
3: Yeah, that same phenomena happened to me after I saw the Rocky movie the first time.
1: You started boxing.
3: I was like ten years old. I came running out. I just wanted to run and punch people. And that's probably not a good thing.
5: In
4: hindsight,
5: yeah. Uh, I think that's what drove Mike Tyson is just the desire to hurt people. Yeah, because he was a he was a very uh, violent man. Yeah,
4: he was an
8: angry. Man. Well, yeah. Well, we just recently found out. Why Mike was so angry. Why is that? Why? He was abused a tumor as, as a amygdala. Child. No, he was abused. As uh, well, sexually abused. I think everyone could
5: have guessed that one. Well, because, I didn't know that. It wasn't from well, any of the, the guys that started
1: mentoring him, right?
8: No, it wasn't Cuss, <laughs> okay. but it was other people. It was before life. him.
1: Right. It was like Cuss kind of uh, rescued him from that whole scene. Wow. But he really? had like mental like in the early fights, they would just take him stop giving him his meds. Like, before the fight. Oh, really? And then he'd just go in there and kill somebody, and then they put him back on his meds. And then they got, as he got wow. older, he Fun. decided, I don't want to be on my meds anymore. Like, all the time.
4: Oh.
5: Yikes. Yeah, yeah I that's stopped, never a good idea. I
3: stopped pay-per-view events on Mike Tyson after the second time I got up to go uh, grab a drink from the refrigerator <laughs> and walk back, and it was over.
1: I remember in high school, oh. me and a bunch <laughs> of my buddies saved up, uh, like, the 50 bucks, right? pitched in. Our friend's mom got the pay-per-view. My buddy and I went to get the tape from his house, and we showed up right when the fight started. 45 seconds later, it was over. And I remember my buddy looking at me, he goes, you don't say a word till we get the money. (laughs) 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 So we walked in this party like, did you get the tape? Did you do one? We're like, no, it was over before we got there and then we popped 45 seconds later. We're like, okay, so what, what now?
3: Everybody kick get in your 12 bucks. <laughs> yeah. and
0: uh,
3: Wow. Good times. Good times. There's, I, <laughs> I, I've watched all these Olympics. It's, it's hard for me. You know, I used to watch a lot of it growing up and I, and whatever was just kind of trending at the time I'd check it out to see what everybody was, you know, was checking out. I, I was growing up during the Nadia Comaneci moments and then, uh, you know, watching all of the different, uh, uh Athletes that have broken out throughout the different years. And it's always cool to kind of watch in those golden moments when you see what's happening. And I really don't think I've watched since uh, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding went to the Olympics <laughs> together that last time.
8: I, I just haven't – I don't know. I can't get into the Olympics. Well, for me, the, <clears throat> the Olympics is disappointing because the NHL players didn't go this, this, this time. Oh, right. So – and – So to get my hockey fix yesterday, I kind of was watching the replay of the U.S. and women's hockey. Curling? No, (laughs) hockey. Oh. Because I don't know why they haven't played before the medal round, because you know that's going to be the two teams that play again for the gold medal. And they were playing yesterday, and like five different times, a melee broke out. Just in front of somebody's net, they were fighting for the puck. Sure. Got covered, referee blew the whistle, and they were ham- hammering each other. In the Olympics. They don't like each other. The, wow. the U.S. hockey women and the Canadian hockey women do not like each other. And they'll stand there and just bark at each other. All, And you can just see it, just snipping at each other and punching each other and all this stuff. Why, like,
3: why did the NHL players kind of disconnect?
8: the league would not release them. Oh. They were getting hurt. Yeah, that was part of it, but I think the league wanted some of the moolah.
3: Some of the scratch from the Olympics? That's probably not a big thing they want to share,
1: huh? Is it the middle of the season? Is hockey playing right now? Yeah,
8: they're playing right now, and the way they did it four years ago and the time before that, they suspended league play, didn't have an all-star game, and let the players go back to their countries and whatnot.
1: Oh, I bet they lose a lot of money doing that, the NHL.
8: Well, they lost money, and uh, well... Which is weird, it shouldn't, because
3: you would think that would that well, would they, broaden the horizons well, for this to give people a chance to see yeah, teams. and that's it's true. It.
8: And they didn't lose money as far as, they didn't lose games, they forced the players to still play the 80-game 80, oh, 80 okay. season, but it got more compacted. Oh, okay. And so you had guys get hurt at the Olympics and at the Olympics, and the owners were like, you know, I got a lot of money invested in these guys. I don't want them getting hurt over there. If they're gonna get hurt. They're gonna get hurt. We're, you know, on my ice. Right, yeah. you know, on my ice. I'm, I'm yeah. making the money for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if anyone's
1: gonna hurt them, it's gonna be me.
3: Right. So how, how about how exciting was it when the dream team, well, came it, out for basketball? I mean, first, it was like watching the a Harlem year. Globetrotters yeah. game. Right. It was just right. ridiculous the way they ran around.
8: And that's why hockey did it for a couple of times because right. they did get a boost from it. Sure. Right after. Each time their their guys became Olympians, they got kind of a kick into the rest of their season. But this Gary Bettman, who's the uh, league commissioner, was dead set on making sure that didn't happen this time. So, hmm.
3: but the ladies NHL or ladies uh, Olympic hockey is doing great.
8: Oh uh, well, they lost to Canada, but uh, it was like I said, it's it's U.S. and Canada mm-hmm. then the rest of the world. You know, everybody's fighting for the bronze because either U.S. and Canada are going to get the gold and the other one's going to get the silver. So,
3: hey, Mike, can you pull up that Apple's HQ story for me real quick? I got a kick out of this. Uh, Andy, I think you'll enjoy the ignorance of, of the uh, architecture for this as well. Apple's new headquarters in Cupertino, California, has been widely celebrated by architectural critics, but some employees are reportedly encountering a downside. They keep walking into the interior glass
1: walls.
3: (laughs) Man, that's when you
1: set up webcams. Interior glass
5: walls.
3: Yes. And you know every moron's walking around with an iPhone and and checking social media, and they're just binging up against the glass walls left and right. They keep walking into the interior glass walls. Market Watch reports on at least two incidents in which men... Walked into a wall seriously enough to require a call to the local emergency services. In both cases, only minor cuts that... to the head resulted. A report at Fortune echoes the uh, one at MarketWatch citing reported, or repeated cases of distracted employees walking into the panes of glass. <laughs> An Apple spokesperson yep. declined to comment. And then the story at Fortune says employees resorted to sticking Post-it notes on the glass <laughs> to alert people of presence. <laughs> of glass. Well, well it's like Fro-
5: frost the Apple logo logo onto it or something. Yeah. <laughs> well you got- instead of just having like this perfectly transparent glass. it's like a it's almost like a uh, a fun house but instead right. of
1: mirrors it's
8: just <laughs> invisible walls.
1: Or just leave the face print from the guy before. <laughs> just don't clean <laughs> yeah. the windows.
8: No you you guys will laugh, but um former gopher football coach Jerry Kill. Uh-huh They did a redesign of of the football office space, and there was these two large panes of clear glass. Right. And next to it were (laughs) two clear glass doors. Oh, no. Yeah. He He and several players walked into the glass – not to the glass doors – but the glass and it was funny because every once in a while do you walk over and you see a, a lip print or, <laughs> hand print or something on the glass because <laughs> they, you know, not paying attention and that's, you know, I'm going downstairs and they put huh. their hand on the glass and bang their head off the, <laughs> off the glass. <laughs> well,
3: I laugh and I joke about, uh, about these morons doing it, but I did a similar thing at the uh, dollar store by my house about four or five years ago. Uh, they had the two sliding glass doors, but one was jammed, yeah. and I wasn't paying attention, so all I saw was the one whisk open, and I walked right into it, bam, hit the oh. thing, and turned into Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Butt over tea kettle, go falling out. The, the whole door comes off the pane and hits the no. ground. And I'm trying to not fall into broken glass, and, <laughs> and I'm wobbling around. <laughs> and I just hear the guy at the counter go, People are so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. But, oh, man. <laughs> I like how the article then gets very serious on us. It says, jokes may be easy to make, but Market Watch notes that Apple could run into trouble with workplace safety regulations if the problem persists. Well,
1: they are hurting for money. Yeah. It, adds it, it would be- suck if they got a, a workers' comp claim.
3: How much do you think this building costs them?
1: Well, I think it's in the billions, right?
3: $5 billion building.
1: Well, it's not just that's a building. Insane. It's like a campus, right.
5: right?
3: Yeah, it looks like a giant UFO in the middle of the woods.
1: Yeah. Well, but
5: still, it's like, do you... Five billion dollars? That's like that's like how much a city should cost. Right. Five billion dollars. I mean, although, looking at it, it basically is a city. Yeah, it it's does look like... Insanely well, what, your, your huge. Your stadium
1: was, what, 1.3 billion or something? Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is five times Not my that. stadium. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I can't afford to go to a game. It's not my stadium.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. God, look at... look. Google it and look at pictures of it. It's it has to be at least like three miles in diameter. Yeah, look at this. Doesn't it look, it looks like a UFO right in the middle well, of the woods?
1: It looks like like where you'd have an Olympic ceremony.
3: <laughs> yeah, it does. Like yeah. in the future, yeah. the Hunger Games. It's Abs- a stadium. It's,
1: <laughs> it's, that's where they'll have it <laughs> yeah, after so well. after the towers fall.
8: Well, that's that's where it's gonna going to go. And the best
5: part is. Um, I think underneath everything there is like a big geothermal uh, like generator or something. Oh, I'm sure. I think th- I think they're powering it in a weird way. They, there's and probably that, fraggle rock <laughs> generators.
3: So when the asteroid <laughs> so comes sure this thing just lifts yeah, off the just, planet, can, planet into the ground. all these
1: little muppets building iPhones. <laughs> we heard your complaints about slave labor. We got the fraggles doing it. They're singing. It's way cuter now. <laughs>
3: it's way, slavery can be way cuter uh, if it's a ragline.
1: Yeah, they're little animals, <laughs> it's hilarious. Building every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: Acme Comedy has Chris Porter uh, tonight and tomorrow?
1: Yeah. What times? I, tonight? Tonight, I think Just the Late Show still has tickets. Is what, 8 and 1030? Right.
3: Okay. And uh, then
1: tomorrow, I have no idea, but I think they're both sold out. All right. Well, but you should still Thanks for stopping by. You should still come <laughs> <No>. though.
3: <laughs> Let's uh, take a break. We'll be back. We've got more on the Tom Bernard show. Best of the Tom Bernard podcast.
2: gold for talking about the Winter Olympics. Coming up next, closing out the show, we're going back to the old boat. All the way back to episode 358 with supermodel Hoyt Richards. Next, on the best of...
0: Hoyt Richards, ladies and gentlemen. Hoyt, how are you?
7: I'm good, thanks.
0: How are you, Tom? I'm doing very well. It's really nice of you to come. Come on, we. Uh, I talked to Hoyt what about a uh, two, three, three weeks ago, something like that?
7: Oh uh, no, that, actually, it was about a week ago. You're, you're ahead of your time, but uh, yeah,
0: it was about a week ago. I was about a week. Oh yeah, yeah that's right because it would, that would have been like Christmas week. You're absolutely Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, what? That was only a week ago.
7: I know. It seems like a, a, a millennium for me. Believe me, it's been a crazy week.
0: Well, that's good. That, that means that Dumbbells is doing well, huh?
7: Yeah, it's been great. We've gotten a great response. And, um, you know, I've had to, uh, I'm actually going to be uh, – I just did an interview today with uh, Inside Edition. And then next week I'm doing Dr. Phil with Fabio. And uh, oh I'm also doing the uh, piece.
0: Now, i got to tell the people, if you maybe not heard the name Hoyt Richards before, i got to tell you something. Fabio will be very, very jealous and it'll it'll show on the set because Hoyt Richards, first man to ever be called a supermodel.
7: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that action? Yeah, man, I just wish there was a, an S on my chest. It doesn't carry that far
0: Boy, it's great to hear that uh, that the movie's doing well. Cause yeah, I guess it was only about a week ago. Uh,
7: yeah, cause uh, yeah, we're we're in, we're, in, we're in theaters, and then uh, but the main play we're doing is video on demand. I and mean, when you're a little indie movie, we can't really, really afford to do the big theater push. We just don't have the budget, so we uh, we do it more as a marketing thing. And uh, then ultimately, our big play is uh, on demand, and uh, and we've gotten some great response on both counts. So it's, uh, it's a win-win so far. You gotta gotta grab the trophies wherever they are, you know. Are you on a speakerphone? <laughs> am I? Yeah. Yes I am. Is that bad?
0: Big shot. Here's what I like. Big shot. His movie's kicking ass now. So now he's on it. now he's on the Yeah, I mean it, it would sound it's better, better if you, for you. You what?
7: Is this better now? I'm off speaker
0: Yes. That
6: does sound okay. Thank all right. You. Yeah, that's
7: all right. Well,
0: I know you're a big shot uh, like director <laughs> <Big> shot. and <laughs>
7: yeah,
0: <a> movie producer.
7: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what it
0: is. Hoyt supermodel Richards, ladies and gentlemen, so yeah. you. you have one of the one of the most interesting life stories that I've ever heard. Now let's start. Uh, first of all, Hoyt's not that good looking. It's unfortunate. for I I actually
7: blame my parents for all that. I can't take any credit. For so <laughs> so you, all you, the re, all the resentment I get for any of that is all you know. I just send <laughs> you know, it completely through the branch.
0: There's No yeah. resentment at all. Yeah. I. I uh, so, so Hoyt is at uh, Princeton. That's right. Playing football. Your dream was to play in the, in the NFL.
7: As delusional as that was, yes, yes. <laughs> as delusional as, it was. but you, but, <laughs> but you end up. Being... I, I, I believe players going to the pros is a pretty far stretch. But yeah, when you're when you're 19 years old, yeah, you, you, you dream big. You dream big.
0: But this is yeah. what. So here's this tremendously handsome man, 19, 19 years old, young, young fellow, nineteen years old. He's at Princeton, first of all. They don't, they don't really let dumb bastards in there, last I heard.
7: Well, that's, that's, that's what they at least they tell us that. Thank God. I don't <laughs> know if it's true or not, but that's what they tell us. Yeah.
0: So you're playing football. What position do you play?
7: I played a uh, free safety. Uh, which uh, I, in high school I'd been a running back and a wide receiver, but we were short. On, uh, on, on defensive backs, so they said, uh, and I had played a little bit of that, so I kind of got, we had we had two wide receivers at that point, It's just unlucky timing, who we were actually all American out of Princeton, we had, we did have a guy at that point who was this amazing quarterback who actually got drafted and backed up Joe Theismann for most of his career, so he didn't get a lot of playing time, but he went to the, the big show and actually uh, represented well, so um, I got pushed to the defensive side of the ball, and then ultimately he's End up screwing up my shoulders. I just wasn't really equipped for that type of uh, tackling because um, I had subluxation in my shoulders. I'd been a gymnast when I was younger, and mm-hmm. my shoulders had you know loose ligaments, and the tackling just wasn't really in the cards for me.
0: So, so Hoyt uh, is playing some football. All the women just flocking to him. Yeah, bill. I wish. I
7: wish it was like you guys. Keep going, Tom. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking
0: this. Go ahead. <laughs> so he's at Princeton playing football. He's got all the girls coming his way. He gets hurt. So you figure, oh damn, he'll probably, you know, turn to drinking hard and hitting the drugs. No, no, he becomes the world's first male supermodel. So life is really a bitch now because now he's making millions for doing even less than he did when he's a football player at Princeton. That's right.
7: That's right.
4: Do people hate you? <laughs>
7: Well, I mean, the only the only one I think we challenge as far as doing less than a job is probably a toll booth operator, um, <laughs> because you just have to basically stand there a lot and just uh, pose. And the hardest part of the job is getting to the job. It might involve a, a plane, train, or an automobile, but once you get on set, yeah, it's not it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a difficult job to do. Do you have you know? a look? Do you have a? A special a look? Steel? Yes, blue like Yes, I just need <laughs> well, to know I, whether. I, I To be completely <laughs> candid, I do have my angle. Like uh, that was one of the things I, I had to learn, as an actor. Um, you basically have to remove the model pole out of your butt because, uh, <laughs> you learn as a model what kind of angles you have, what's best. Because which, after a while, you start to develop which pictures keep getting selected. So you realize, oh, people are responding to this type of angle on my face so when you obviously when you get into performing as an actor you can't be thinking about any of that but uh in the business i can definitely say when they when they come down to an interview like do you have a good side i'm like this is this one so i know that
8: do you uh, clench your jaw <laughs> so that
0: the muscles
4: <laughs>
2: are you
7: perfecting
4: your look just a you know natural that, 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 look are you perfecting that, your look then? <laughs>
8: <laughs> yes, I'm trying you know, right now. I've got a mirror
7: in front of me. Yes. I'm trying
8: to look like
7: know, I really you, bad. See, see, one of the top photographers in the world, Bruce Weber, actually teaches you to do the opposite of that. It's all about relaxing your
8: jaw. Cause uh, really?
7: Actually, yeah. Because actually, when you clench your jaw, as a guy it gets your even though it gets your your uh, you know the, your jaw to protrude, it actually creates weird weird shapes around your mouth. So it's actually more. Uh, Complimentary in most cases to have your jaw relaxed. So Not here's the, mine. the from uh, from the industry: relax the jaw, down and
0: you look better. I will. I will relax. I'm going relax my jaw to talk to you now, Hoyt. <laughs> so now here comes the the great part of the story. So you, yeah, we started out, and everything is magnificent, and you know we get through college. You get hurt, unfortunately, but you become a supermodel, the, the, the world's first male supermodel. But here's what I like about Hoyt. You had doubts about yourself and your life, and, and if you would take it from there, this is a fascinating story from this point on. Uh, you, you just felt down because, well, like you said, you wanted to play in the NFL. That's not going to happen. But you said your self-esteem was kind of shot at at
7: that particular time. Yeah, I mean, I I, 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 the way I like to describe it is an identity crisis. I really I, I had been so aligned as an, you know, as the image of an athlete, I, you know, I lived with football players, I always had played sports my whole life, and knowing I couldn't play anymore, um, and luckily I was, it was getting substituted at that time by something that seemed at least glamorous, at least in its, uh, you know, ideal, I mean, that was kind of like a, it's a typical 20-year-old decision, well, if I can't be a football star, I'll just try to be a star, and that's kind of the, uh, the transition I made, but it was, it was tough. Being around that scene at college, and all my my roommates were still playing, and um, I was lost and, and trying to figure out what was, what was going to make sense.
0: And so now all of a sudden, people are throwing all this dough at you. You're very popular. Even more girls are flocking to
7: you. That's right. Even more. <laughs> it's hard to keep count. <laughs> That's right.
0: So so basically, what was the guy's name again? The 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 the, the, it, the fake name at
7: the end. The fake name was Fred. The, the fake name was Frederick von Meers. His real name was Freddie Myers, from Brooklyn. But, uh, but Frederick von Meers entered the picture when I was actually 16, before any of this happened. I met oh, okay. him. I met him on the beaches of Nantucket, um, where my family would spend our summers, which is a, you would think a pretty uh, safe haven, so to speak, not where you uh, cult leaders hang out. All right. But um, uh, he had kind of uh, given me some books and kind of uh, gotten some. Put some, some a little bit of a uh, intrigue in my mind, but the hooks really went in when I went through this kind of a uh, identity crisis of what am I going to do post football. And he was actually one of the people that suggested I could model because he had done some modeling when he was younger. And uh, one of his friends from that time is now running Ford Models in New York, so that's how I got the introduction. And um, and that's uh, a, it's a you know it's a kind of a t- strange story from that point, but it basically kind of. That was kind of my entree into the the business to say, oh, maybe you could do this. And um, then the rest got really crazy.
0: Because he basically took all your money.
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, exactly. I mean, anyone who's a cult leader is kind of a master manipulator. And um, a lot of what you fall prey to is what I can really describe as a bait switch In the sense that what I signed up for, I will, I will never beat myself up for because it was a very, very high, ideal, noble kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, approach to life. But obviously the thing that it actually was is something very different. And it only took me about 15 years to figure that out. But I did, thank God. And, uh, and I escaped. Uh, and I didn't escape from the point of view of having figured it out at that point. I really escaped from the point of view because I just felt I couldn't measure up. Uh, to what they were asking of me at that point. I was actually being quarantined to our North Carolina compound because it all started in Manhattan, but we moved to North Carolina where we kind of set up a whole compound. We had four years of stored food. We had guns. We had bunkers. You're waiting for the apocalypse. And, um, you know, and I was still at that point, I'd been modeling and I was because I still had one foot so-called in reality. I was like, I just thought the end of the world was coming like <laughs> these guys have been telling us for years. And Um, that's when I started to pull away, and then the way they tried to keep me under the fold was to um, basically quarantine me down there. They shaved my head so I couldn't model, and I had to be the first one up, the last one to bed, doing every type of slave labor or whatever they could think of to kind of teach me humility and um, kind of bring me back under the control, and uh, I just wasn't enjoying any of that.
0: No, I could see
7: that. And... (laughs) because you know, I had been to Cash Cow, which had kind of bought me privileges for many years, and the fact that now that the the uh, you know the punishments were kind of and chores were kind of coming in this very aggressive way, it just wasn't a lot of fun. And and I really would you know, I'd look in the mirror and and think, God, I look like a convict, and I'm scrubbing <laughs> toilets. And I could be uh, in Milan right now, kissing Claudia Schiffer, making 15 Gs a day. I guess I'm not spiritual because I'd much rather be there. And uh, smart man. So. So and every night, and I'm not exaggerating, and this went on for about six, seven months. Um, I would face a verbal firing squad of anywhere from a, like 12 to 15 people, where I would just get get basically pummeled with how I had been resentful and resistant to my so-called you know, chores and punishments that day, and which of course I was. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't really want to be there, but I was in deep conflict because I thought I should want to be there and I should want to be fighting for the cause, but ultimately. Geez. Um, I got to the point where I thought they were trying to fix someone that was unfixable, and and uh, I just felt like I was hopeless. And the least I could do for the group was to relieve them of my future presence, and they could at least spend their time doing something more constructive than trying to deal with me. And so that, you, I, in it,
8: essence, you in essence escaped uh,
0: because you thought you were doing them a favor.
7: Exactly. Wow. I thought it was—I thought it was the wow. greatest act of cowardice at that time. And and this is the kind of beautiful, beautiful thing about the human spirit. You'll find some way to twist your psyche when you're in that dark of a place to still get yourself away from this influence. Just because, uh, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if, if you were like where I was, or you were, I was just praying for some sort of understanding, and I just knew I couldn't figure out anything in that space. So I said, even if it means I'm going to get struck down by lightning or hit by a Mack truck because I'm turning my back on God, any place is better than this for me right now. And, uh, and so that's how I left. And uh, it, like I said, it took me three times. It caught me twice. I wasn't very effective at first. But eventually I figured out. And the, and the third time is when I actually ended up uh, putting as uh, much land mass between myself and them and ended up in California and moved in with Fabio. That is
0: unbelievable.
7: You can't write this stuff. <laughs> no, <he laughs> can't. you
4: can't. My question is, and, and by the
0: way, I should mention this we're, we're sitting here in the Renters Warehouse studios today. Uh, when, I, when I first interviewed Hoyt last week, uh, like I said, it was about eight, nine, ten days ago, something like that, I said, I can't just do a ten minute interview with this guy. There's just way, way more than ten minutes here. And I asked Hoyt at that time, would you please appear on the afternoon show? And he said he was nice enough to say yes and, and thank you for your time. And now you're on every no, big absolutely. TV show. But, but here's what struck me, and I, I guess I thought about this between the last interview and this one. You're like a nice, really nice guy, which to me would indicate you have really good parents,
7: right? I do. I do. Thank yeah. Very so very
0: how do you go from where we, like when you were in this compound? Yes. Your parents had to be going. Hoi, come on.
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that's the tough part about it, Tom, and uh, because uh, I didn't see my parents for 12 years, and um, oh, and it, and a lot of it, a lot of the manipulation works in such a way where, as they describe it clinically, uh, as you get indoctrinated into the cult, there's the first stage is kind of what they call the love bombing, where they're telling you how unique you are, what potential you have, all this incredible. Uh, future you could do is becoming this great spiritual leader and 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 this whole thing of where you're just it's like a drug you're just being that they're telling you how much they love you and this is also all the things you can never hear enough from your parents and I was one of six kids so my parents couldn't physically do it even if I wanted it to So so it's just one of these things of where you just don't realize that that technique works on anyone because we're Mm -hmm. all starving for attention on some level and then when you're getting it from this point of view that they're supposedly looking through you into seeing something much greater than others can see, it's very seductive, and it strokes your ego, and we're all kind of susceptible to it. So the amazing thing about mind control is that it works on everyone, and that's one of the, the work that I do now I actually work with families, helping them get the, you know their kids out of cults. But mm-hmm. the, the main thrust of what I want to do in the community is to eliminate these preconceptions that there's a type of person or a profile that falls into these cultic environments because it, it, it just isn't true. It basically, it, can, it works on every, anyone and everyone, but you just have to show some receptivity to what they're selling, so to speak. So, Do you have to be particularly needy? That can be needy in any it's, not, it's, it's more of like you have to be in a transition in your life where you don't really have a game plan. And if you don't have a game plan, you're kind of searching. And if you meet someone who's got a game plan they're really enthusiastic about, it's a very appealing quality. And then if you hear about their game plan and it somehow resonates with you, and it, then they happen to be a cult leader, you're kind of screwed. And that's really end of story. Um, and, and that's, you know, the stuff I've had to learn in retrospect through my recovery process. And a lot of people, even people that were into groups that I, uh, have been in, never recovered. Even though they get separated and leave the group for whatever reasons, if you don't go through a proper recovery process, You don't realize it, but you really get rewired, and just because you leave the direct negative influence doesn't mean the wiring gets changed. You have to actually go through counseling. You have to do a lot of self-education, and all that really does is allow you the capability to forgive yourself because there is so much shame and embarrassment involved until you realize that it wasn't because your parents didn't treat you right. It wasn't because you're just stupid or naive. None of those things have anything to do with it. It's just a matter of a, a bad situation that, it, that came about that would have worked on anyone if they'd been in your same situation. And that's how you can allow yourself to kind of move forward and, and find actually the positive things in the whole experience, which I have found to be actually incredibly useful because when you kind of go through something like this, it's very easy to kind of want to use words like, oh my God, I wasted 20 years of my life or you know, how could I have been so stupid? And that none of that gets you anywhere. You've really got to find that all those things that you went through, granted some of them are rough, but there's also some incredible life lessons in there that if you turn it into a positive thing, become an incredible force of energy to kind of lead you towards something really, really great in your life. Because like anything, uh, I love what I love what uh, Albert Einstein said, you've got to decide in your life the most important decision is do you believe the universe is friendly or hostile? So, so at some point you have to just accept that even though you went through this Variable, you know shitstorm you've got to be able to be able to accept that it was for your benefit and that's why um, there's something positive to take from it and it gives you the ability to realize that you're much stronger than you ever conceived you were capable of and that type of survival mentality uh, applies you know to your life going forward that you're capable of things you never dreamed of
1: Hoyt, this is Don Shelby
0: I'm a, I'm a former investigative reporter and I'm hoping you can tell me that Frederick von Meer's uh, ended up in a joint.
7: Uh, he died. He died so, and, and before and they long, could get to it? long, painful death. So, he did, <laughs> he so there did. is
0: justice in the universe. There
7: is justice Karma. In the universe. Yeah, there was. He, uh, he actually died of AIDS. It was all very... Because he claimed to be asexual, but then he would have... Um, but he, uh, he had uh, obviously he had a background of being a gay man, and he would have these... Um, he was, for lack of a better description, he kind of was uh, had a taste towards Hispanic and African American guys, and we didn't know this at the time. He thought, we just thought he was finding people to help out on the street. Oh, this one needs help, you know. Mm-hmm. And I actually was paying for a lot of these tricks. So they were like male hustlers. that are coming up mm-hmm. to this place, and I'm thinking he's giving them some sort of spiritual guidance and that sort of thing. And it's like, oh, and my name is Lord H. He's like, Lord H. This one, he was shot twice, and. It's, his family's having this and this problem, so I peel off 100 thinking I'm helping some guy down on his luck. And I'm actually you know, paying for him to turn some trick in the back room, nice. thinking that, uh, you know, that my uh, spiritual leader's you know, helping out the world on, on every level. Nice. And, uh, and through all those interactions, he contracted AIDS and died. And, uh, and Vanity Fair did a huge 15-page article kind of exploiting what he was up to, and then he had actually passed away five days before that article hit. Uh, which was not a fun time in our lives, and certainly I was basically the only real media figure at that time. So I, I was getting called by Oprah and everything. I'm like, yeah, I'm not I'm going okay, on these it. shows. But it was it was brutal. Yeah. And of course, my poor parents were thinking, you know, that this is all their worst nightmares coming true. And 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 it was just a it was a, it was a nasty period.
0: Now, uh, you, how much more time do you have? By the way, wait, wait I don't hey, I'm, to... I'm
7: good. I'm good. Okay, I
0: just I just want to take a quick break. It's like a one minute break. Yeah. But I, before we go to break, I want to tell you this. Not, you know, we're pals, but I'm never calling you
7: Lord H. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would accept those terms. That doesn't bring back any fond memories. <laughs> 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 well, Actually, be- my my, nick, my nickname in the cult really was Dipshit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and it was it was Dippy if I wasn't in trouble, but most of the time it was just <laughs> flat-out dipshit. So.
2: Break up the teddy bears, because you'll get your medal in a couple of days on the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Ruben Paul, Chris Porter, and Hoyt Richards. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.